And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... The Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. Hey guys, how's it going? You got Cole and Jed here for another quick burn. We're going to hit you with our Oscars recap. Uh, We've had a few days to sit with it to kind of understand the historic stuff that happened, what the hell that show was. Uh, (laughs) I I still can't get over how many musical performances. Like, we're going to get into all that. And since it's been a while, we're going to hit you with some reviews. But first up, Jed, how did you like this show? I enjoyed it. Honestly, I really like the No Host. I find it very good. It kind of moves in a weird fashion and weird pace at times, but I like it because I don't. I know that I'm not going to get that host interjecting with, well, they paid me to be the host, I got to do this or I got to do that kind of thing. You get different things. The Chris Rock, Steve Martin dynamic was great. Having other people come up there, obviously Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig, great together doing their things. Right. I don't know. The show as a whole, obviously it ran long. It always does. It's the Oscars, but I liked it. What about you? thought it was a shit show <laughs> okay uh, all right i thought it was a fucking mess I'm, I'm with you like i'm fine with the no host but just like anything like it's got to be done well i thought last year it was done well I, there was no theme to this show there was no plan to this show there were things about it i really liked mm-hmm. i thought like you said my rudolph and Kristen wig great i dug the chris rock steve martin we're not host hosts I, I thought Will Ferrell and Julia Weidreifus should present every award. They were great. <laughs> Olivia Coleman was awesome. But, like, why do I have Beanie Feldstein introducing another presenter? Like, I don't understand. It feels like they said, we don't have a host, so we're going to have 55 hosts that just introduce the next presenter. Like, it just, it didn't flow to me. The the opener with Janelle Monet. I love Janelle Monet, and she's a dynamic performer. But why were like most of the people who were dancing behind her representing movies that didn't have a single nomination? <laughs> I thought the same thing on that one. I'm with you there. There was nothing about this show that didn't seem hodgepodge to me. So I don't think it was that it didn't have a host that was the problem, but it like there were so many what the fuck moments in the especially in the first like two hours of the show. And I don't have a problem with how long the Oscar show runs at all. I know there's people that want it shorter, want it quicker. Give me longer clips. I love watching the performances. I I could do without all of the music. I thought the musical performances were just over the top this year. I don't know about you, but... Well, there were two that I thought were amazing, and Eminem was one. I enjoyed yep. The audio, I don't know if it was maybe just where I saw it, but the audio seemed a little messed up on the beginning of his performance, and then they, they kind of fixed it. But uh, the other one is Utkash. Like, that was fucking awesome. So here here's my thought on both of those things. Two super talented dudes. I thought, like, Eminem was great. It's awesome to see him. Great live performance. I thought the other musical performance that was incredible was Cynthia Revo. The other nominated songs, I'm like, Elton John, like, that was a whatever Elton John performance. The Elsa thing, I thought it was cool to bring in the other languages, but then you had certain singers who were really good and certain singers who were not that good. But... Utkarsh is somebody that I, I've followed for quite a while. He's in Freestyle Love Supreme, which I think is a really cool thing. Look it up on YouTube if you don't know what it is. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda's improv uh, rap group. He's been a part of that for a long time. Um, he's very funny comedian performer. 
obviously super talented and I thought the rap he did was incredible. But my response to it was, why do I need a recap of what I've just watched for the last hour? And like, it was so confusing why he was out there. And he almost, I think, agreed with the idea when he walked. He's like, I don't like, I don't belong here. And I know he meant that from a, I'm not famous enough to be here, but also now I'm going to do this rap. I, I just, even the Eminem performance, which I loved because I fucking love that song. And I, I wouldn't want to take it out of the show, but I was like, I don't get its relevance here. I don't understand why I'm listening to Lose Yourself. It's not an anniversary of him winning that Oscar. It, I just, I was so confused with why certain things happened in the show. Yeah, the Eminem thing confused me. I mean, I enjoyed it, obviously, just like you did. And then it wasn't until later uh, Rachel was reading Twitter that it all made sense. But that is a very good point because... In the moment, they did a horrible job of explaining what was going on. Well, and and I understand, and, and I honestly, I was on Twitter uh, and everything, but I was I did not read too much of like the Eminem stuff. So, what exactly were they saying? Made so was it just because he never accepted it? And correct, he didn't go there to perform, and he didn't go there to accept right. his Oscar and the song. You only get one shot, you know, don't miss your chance, all that kind of stuff. This is him getting another chance. Now, as to why, as you said, not an anniversary of anything. This is just. Okay, this we finally get to see Eminem at the Oscars. It was almost like maybe he called up and said, "Hey guys, uh, how would you feel about me performing?" And they're like, "You had us at Eminem." <laughs> well, see, and that's what I—I I kind of assume that's what it was, and I understand that. But again, it just falls to me with like the 18-year anniversary. We couldn't have waited two more years <laughs> to invite Eminem. Like I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but it's good to also, see him there with his sponsor, though. At least they get to connect. So oh, that's nice. Obviously, obviously. But I also, like, he was the culmination of a music in films uh, montage that the Oscars are always talking about broadening the audience, getting younger people to watch. I mean, that's what everybody wants. Younger people, broader audience to watch the show. So they're like, let's do this montage of music in films that only music from, like, movies in the 60s through the 80s is what we're going to show. What were there, two maybe uh, clips from songs from past the 90s? It was so weird. To, like, I just did not get what the point was. It was so weird. I don't remember um, anything after after or before Power of Love. So, <laughs> Right, obviously. <laughs> that just broke down for you. But so, so the show, like the production of the show, while there were awesome bits of it, I had so many moments that I was like, Utkarsh, super talented. Not sure why they had you do that. Um not really a position to put you in to like super succeed, even though you did an amazing rap and it was really cool. Eminem, awesome. But I don't think to me those were the weirdest parts of the show. And I don't know if you want to talk about this when we get to awards, but I'd love to get your take on Joaquin Phoenix and Renee Zellweger's acceptance speeches. I'd love to give you my takes on that. Okay, Joaquin, awesome. <laughs> as we've discussed previously, crippling anxiety, you can totally tell. Uh, when he's in front of people speaking like that. That's not his form. It's not his forte. I understand, just I think like everybody understands what he was saying. I'm not, I guess it was planned. He didn't thank anyone involved. He didn't even like acknowledge Rooney Mara when he got up to get the award. And then his speech was very centered on, I think he has a new documentary or a documentary that came out about that. I think I had read, um, it was very weird. Like, even when Leo won, you understood that Leo, talking about the environment, given his background, but he also did everything else. It was very fucking, like, weird. I didn't know if he was going to save it. It was one of the most awkward times of the night where I'm like, 
I really hope he just like is okay here. I don't want him to just like stop and like he can't talk anymore or something crazy right. happens. Renee, to me, I don't know if she was like, I got to one up Joaquin by talking longer <laughs> and by really not having anything to say and just repeating myself. And and then she like went into this whole Judy Garland thing. And I, I don't know. It was it was fucking crazy. Brad. Great. Put Brad in a room. Oh, yeah, no. Brad can do his thing. Well, honestly, Brad and Laura Dern, I thought were fantastic. Oh, I, I yeah. thought their speeches were great. They they nailed them. But, you know, Joaquin and Renee, it was obviously we know all four of the people who won acting awards have been doing this for six, eight weeks. So <laughs> yeah. you'd think that they would have that acceptance speech on lock. Like, here's what I'm going to say. But, yeah, Joaquin, and I'm not saying it wasn't like an honest from the heart thing. Like, I don't think it was. I'm not trying to bag on that, and I understand the anxiety angle, but it was just like it was so all over the place, and it it really got, like you said, awkward, like really awkward. And then I was hoping he would bring up River, and I'm glad that he did. Like, when he ended it on that, was super touching and everything, but it was just so, so awkward. And because his speeches you know, had sort of matured, I think, since the Golden Globes. They they were like concise and, and really, you know, pointed and really good. I this was kind of a surprise to me because particularly after, you know, what he had said about inclusivity at the BAFTAs, I was sort of expecting more not necessarily even if it's not thematically the same, something, you know, that rehearsed almost. Uh Renee's also her speeches had been getting better as well. Like they had they had made more sense and it just it was so awkward for both both of those speeches. This was definitely not a night, and we are 10 minutes and change into this. This is not a night that has anything to do with acting awards because those were the least interesting part, I thought, of the awards that were given out. Obviously, mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we've buried the lead to a certain degree in the fact that this was Parasite's night, but I kind of want to put that aside for just a minute and talk about what I thought was the most ridiculous award, and you may have a different one than me, but the most absurd award of the night to me, was Best Visual Effects to 1917 (laughs) when the other nominated uh, movies were Avengers Endgame, where they literally create the entire world out of visual effects. The Irishman, which would have been probably number four on my list in that. The Lion King, one of the most awesomely animated live-action films you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) That was for you. And then start... <laughs> and then I Star Wars, that. like not touching it. How does 1917, which was essentially put some, you know, put some explosions here and here, and just have George Mackay running, you know, 30 yards in front of it, and there we go. I I, <laughs> I have no clue how that won. <laughs> Makes no sense to me. I, I it's not my most what the fuck award of the night. Um, it's close, but it was. I'm sitting there going, I know 1917 is going to win. I have no idea uh-huh. why, because especially if you look at the last scene in Avengers Endgame. There's a big portal sequence and the visual effects alone of having that many people on screen where you can discern what each one is doing. It's insane. Like it, it makes no sense. I actually don't know off the top of my head if Star Wars has ever won a best visual effects award. I really, I mean, right. for, the, for an Academy Award, I have no idea. Um, but I don't, I don't think it really has. Maybe it has. I'm completely wrong. But these movies don't seem to get those awards for some fucking reason. But Suicide Squad yep. a few years ago getting makeup. So they will do it for makeup, but they don't seem to do it yeah, for visual I don't know effects. If they, like, I don't get it. I, I love a practical effect, don't get me wrong, but when you're talking about literally having people create an entire world for you to absorb 
And if that goes wrong, it goes wrong badly. Um, and speaking of badly, yeah. bad form with visual effects, I mean, I get that Cats is a punching bag. I do. But having the two, like, two of the stars <laughs> of the movie shit on the visual effects, like that's not even Monday yeah. morning quarterbacking in the moment. Jesse and I were like, haven't seen the movie, but I do remember the visual effects team having to work like crazy to try and fix all the shit that Tom Hooper wanted. And for them to go out and do I like, that was, that was mm-hmm. bad. That was really bad. Yeah, that wasn't great. That wasn't great. For me, I would say, you know... Little Women getting Best Costume Design. Here's the thing. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was nominated, it should have won. People remember 1969. People don't remember the 1800s where they're like, yeah, that's an authentic sweater. And that really looks good for what you have over there as a dress. Like, come on, give me a fucking break. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's the one that deserves it. So anyway, I'm done with my soapbox. In my opinion, the winner of that category didn't even get nominated. So I, I didn't care so much about that category. Who was the winner for you, Richard Jewell? Oh, yes, yes. T-shirts and fanny packs. Uh, definitely Ruth Carter for Dolomite. I don't know how. Right. No clue. That but, makes uh, sense, yeah. 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 yeah, the rest of the awards, I thought, you know, and, and had I seen probably more shorts, I don't know about you when you were picking, but uh, we definitely did better uh, picking these this year. I think you went 16, I went 14 or something like that. I didn't do well, and if you didn't do as well as I did, then you didn't well, do well either. But this was a year where I think, even though we only saw, like, I didn't see any short films this year, which I hate. Usually I try to get out mm-hmm. and see the short films. Um, then I think a lot of people were able to get into the teens. You know, we had, by the way, uh, this would be the part where we got a shout out. Thank you guys so much. We got so many more ballots than I thought we would get sent to us. It was awesome. And our winner is at Great Big Nona. Uh, fantastic job. 14. We had some wonderful... I think our lowest was three, but thank you for sending that in. <laughs> Congratulations. That was, but it was so cool to get you guys to send all that stuff in, so thank you so much. Like, It's impossible for me to explain how much we get a kick out of that. Um, so yeah, it's awesome. I, I actually wanted to tweet out that night, but we got more than I thought, and instead of grading papers, I decided to go to sleep. So uh, that's on me, <laughs> but uh, thank you guys so much for uh, for playing along. But I think this year was probably easier to like feel bad about getting sixteen of twenty four. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Rachel got twenty one. Yeah, out of and I've I just don't think this year. Like, I think people definitely aced it this year. I think there were people who probably got twenty four yeah. out of twenty four, which is fucking unheard of. Like, absolutely totally unheard, of. unheard of. So the awards until we get to the last half hour, last 45 minutes of the show, we're going along, plotting along. Um, but I would like to talk about, because we don't watch this together. You know, we, we didn't watch the Oscars together. I'm assuming your life started falling apart a little bit when original screenplay went to Parasite. Of course. Yeah. Of course it did. I was like, oh, that's a bad sign for tonight. That's, uh, this is not going to go the way you think. Well, you know? I- I'll say this. My number one this year was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think you are very much on the record for saying that your number one is as well. But this is not a Green Book situation. This was a no, this it's was not. a historic night, which is incredible. And for those of you who may not know, somehow the Academy figured out, I think correctly, because 
this is not something I cannot say that Parasite is not the best film this year. I may not agree with it, but it's definitely in the conversation. It's a goddamn masterpiece. But when a foreign film wins foreign film, and if you listen to our Oscars preview, I, I said this again, so I'm a bit of a broken record, but that's usually all they get. They do not seep into these mainstream awards. Maybe an acting award, but definitely not actual production of the film. And when it won original screenplay, I started thinking, holy shit, this could happen. Like, it could actually happen. I, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't home yet until director happened. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I actually think it's going to happen. I'm getting very excited. And because the reason I was so excited for Parasite to win is because I had no illusion that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to win Best Picture. None. It was 1917. Yeah. And while I love 1917, and I'm going to give a review of it later, it's a fantastic film. It's not a film we're going to be talking about even two years from now, let alone five or ten. It is standard issue. Agreed. It is standard yeah. issue to me, and I do believe Parasite is the far superior film to 1917. I have no problem with Parasite winning every award that it won. Do I agree with every single one of them? No. But there's a big difference between having a problem and not agreeing and all that kind of stuff. Right. I have no problem. Right. right? This is not a green book. This is not a Bohemian Rhapsody editing situation. This is not any of those things. This film, to me, why it won and why it has so much appeal is really something that's sad when you stop and think about it. It's, wow, it's a foreign film, South Korea, subtitles, but the message and the Mm -hmm. themes and everything are universal, unfortunately, in this world right now, and especially in this country. And I don't really want to get on a political thing, but you could make that same film and set it in the U.S., and I know the class system in South Korea is slightly different, but not so different enough that it wouldn't work. And that's what's crazy about it. And I think the director even said, we may have different governments, but in the end, we're all capitalism. Because this movie has appealed to everyone, and it's as a result of capitalism. And that's why I think it really spoke to everyone. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, absolutely fantastic film, my best picture, but that's a more escape film. That's a fantasy. That's a fairy tale. 1917, your traditional war movie, shot in a unique way, wonder- beautifully looking, wonderfully acted. All that stuff was great. Nothing really new. This one touched people, though, and it really impacted them. And the fact that it was through a different lens... I think is what really gave it that extra that extra thing and the realism is what is what got it and I have zero problem Yeah, I have with no problem cuz there were there were really only 3 movies that I would have been like best picture absolutely maybe four which Once Upon a Time Parasite and The Irishman were the three best films I saw this year. Those were my three favorite films this year. They were incredible. I very much liked 1917, but for me that was not a best picture winner. Um, I very much like Jojo Rabbit, but it fell short of those top three um, a little bit. And like Marriage Story, Little Women, I'm still, uh, you know, I think is extremely good. I, I don't think you and I have talked about it. I finally did get to see that. Um, yeah, oh, I liked it a lot. Joker is fine. Like, it's whatever. It's a fine movie. I, I don't hate it the way, you know, it, it just did nothing for me. It was like great performance. I have no problem with Joaquin Phoenix winning. Uh, an award for it, um, but I do want to talk about the fact that we've really got a problem with these acting awards. Uh, you know, obviously with Rami winning last year, that wasn't a career achievement award, but I think we really are veering towards 
this pattern of this person should have had an Oscar already and that's stripping the drama out of this award season like it's it's pulling away the tension from oh my god who's gonna win I don't know and Roberto Benigni is jumping over Steven Spielberg all of a sudden like you know there's just none of that (laughs) you know we had Leo a couple years ago with that was Leo's from seven months before Revenant even came out it was Leo's gonna win an Oscar for Revenant which is McConaughey McConaughey had the same same deal and you're just like okay you know and, and I think it's I think it's very interesting that when we're talking about the production of the show, and sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent here, but did you see any gigantic mega stars in, in the audience? And and take Brad and Leo out of it because they were nominated. Well, absent of nominees, because obviously Tom Hanks was there in the front row. No one's coming to I mind. Guess, I guess my point is like Denzel. Where's Denzel? Yeah, Denzel was there. Will Smith. Will Smith. I guess I guess your classic Julia Roberts. Yeah. You know Nicole Kidd. Like the the I guess. Bruce Willis. Bruce, you know, these older crop, yes, Bruce Willis. But like these these sort of what we would have grown up on is like everybody was there every year. Like Jack Nicholson doesn't even come out of his house anymore. Like we don't have it was just sort of a weird feeling to me. Like the show was a very weird feeling. And I get that Billie Eilish is a gigantic star. Like I and I'm not denying that there's a bunch of big stars and, and A-list people in the room, but I think this kind of goes to Something you and I've talked about a million times, which is like we don't have the movie stars that we used to have. The, the system isn't yeah, set up that way, right. and there's monster talent in the room. But I just kind of kept looking around, like you know, the presenters used to be, and I guess bigger to me. I, I don't know if that's just nostalgia or what, but anyway, sorry for the tangent. I should never take away from what Parasite did with my tangents, but. Parasite ends up winning the most Oscars of the night. I mean, I never would have guessed that, ever. No, me either. No chance. No chance. But the rest of them, like you were talking about, went pretty standard. Um, I think what most people were expecting. Somehow, Ford versus Ferrari won two Oscars. Yeah. Once Upon won two, Joker won two, 1917 won three, and Parasite with four. And, you know, I I thought the best speech of the night was a combination of either Bong Joon-ho's first one, when he won International Feature, which Mm -hmm. I think he thought that was the last one he was going to win. And then uh, Brad Pitt, obviously, classic. Awesome speech. And can I just very quickly mention something? Not only is Brad Pitt too good looking, <laughs> but Oscar Isaac and Salma Hayek are, it's it's not fair what, the, no, what they not. looked like on stage. I was just like, that's, I can't, it's like looking directly into the sun. I, I can't. I can't breathe. It was suffocating how beautiful those two people are. And it would be one thing if they were just beautiful, but they're so extremely talented. Yes. Like, you want to tell that Oscar Isaac story from 10 years? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so I think we've mentioned 10 years on this uh, on the pod before, but if you haven't seen it, check out 10 years. Channing Tatum classic. But uh, Oscar <laughs> Isaac plays uh, a singer-songwriter who's got some fame, and they're all going to their 10-year high school reunion. And so when they're making the... They need this hit song, because a, a hit song sort of plays a, a large plot point in the in the uh, movie. And so they were writing songs, and they were kind of trying to find the right one, and they went up to Oscar Isaac, and they're like, well, we think this song, he needs a song. And Oscar Isaac's sort of like, oh, you guys need a song? Well, I, I can write a song. And if you listen to that song, and we'll put, I'll put the name of the song in the show notes so you can look it up on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. That's a good fucking song, man. It's such a good song that Rachel hadn't seen the movie. She had just downloaded the song and listened to it. So when the movie's playing and you get to a certain scene in the beginning when you don't know something, she's like, oh, I get it now. And so she knew what was going <laughs> to happen. That's awesome. 
because she'd heard the song so many fucking it's times. So, it's so good. I just love, I'll never have that confidence. I'm like, oh, you need a song? I got a song. I can get a song. I can write a song real quick. That's not a big deal. I went to Juilliard. I can get you a song, so, no problem. With nail polish. But yeah, when they walked up, I was just like, <laughs> too much hot. Um, yeah, it was incredible. You pulled a Colin Montgomery, yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. For those of you out there that get that, you're welcome. Um, so that's kind of all I have on the Oscars, man. Do you have anything else you want to uh, mention real quick? No, I mean, sound editing should have been 1917 and sound mixing should have been Ford versus Ferrari. I don't know why they switched those. Never made sense to me. I don't think they know what the difference I'm is. I'm still so. waiting for <laughs> them to just merge that category. <laughs> Best sound. Uh, I do have one question. I should have probably prepped you for it, but I, I kind of wanted your off-the-cuff answer. Okay. What's the one change you make to the Oscars to make it better? Whether it's an award or something to do with the show, or like, what would you do? What do you think this, uh, or what do you think the Oscars need? The first thing that comes to my mind is take these awards in a vacuum, take the films in a vacuum. Don't bring all the baggage that you bring with. That's Leo, that's Mark Ruffalo, that's whoever. Just isolate the performances. And you know what? If a famous actor doesn't make the cut as best supporting actor then they don't get fucking nominated. And I don't care if Adam Sandler was in all the worst Netflix movies you've ever right. seen, 20 in a row, and then he gives a great performance, stop with that baggage. I know that's an impossible thing, but I read an article, and I think I sent it to you, and you'd already actually read it as well, where one of the Academy, mem- Academy members anonymously was like, he campaigned too hard, or that's not an Oscar film, or what the fuck do you mean that's not an Oscar film? Was the performance good? Was it one of the top fives? Could it be the best? Then who the fuck cares? That's the shit that I hate about this awards thing for the Oscars, and even for some other ones. It's it's based on the work. Stop taking everything else with it. Right. That article you're talking about, also it, it talked about Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy, where they're like, well, they just, like you said, they won it too much. He was hosting SNL. It's like, do you think Brad Pitt was not running for his Oscar? Of course he was. Exactly. You know when he started running his campaign? When he said, I'm not going to campaign for it. And then all of a sudden, he and Leo were doing Q&As like once a week all over the place. Like, give me a break. They're all, they all want it. They're all running for it. So let, why are we holding that against comedians? Which again is something that the Academy is known for, not ever giving comedians their due. But I, I think that's good. I think, you know, if there was a way to do that, that would be spectacular. That's yeah. the problem. What about for you? What would you change? I, I have a couple things. One, um, and this is uh, not something that is necessarily unique to me, but I love the idea of like some sort of rookie award, whether it's breakout performer, best, like basically the best new artist Grammy is kind of what I'm talking about, whether it's best, like, like best that. first feature um, but something to like get people excited about the up and comers and sort of flag them, be like, Florence Pugh is going to be a gigantic star. Like it's going I to love happen. That. That's a great idea. So, I don't know if it's adding one or two or three categories. And I, I don't want to get rid of the production categories that people quote unquote don't care about, like costume design or production design or, or whatever. Um, but we had... I don't know, 130 musical performances. I think we could squeeze three more awards in there. Like, we do not need... Mm-hmm. I, I actually think the count was like 16 or 17 musical performances. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. The The first... I got so scared. The first... Uh, I think it was the supporting actor package, which I like what they did this year, the way that they sort of uh, cut in and out of people's uh, performances. 
But that was it was, it was nice. like a minute forty long. Yeah, it was. It was. If a you're while. worried about time, the time is there, and I like the clips. I like the clips more than I like the musical performances. Even though, like I said, I, I love I love good musical performances. Don't get me wrong, but if we could drop some of that, smash in some of like the introduction of the new wave of talent, I would really like that. I think that if we're gonna add awards, ignore the popular award and all that stuff, but give me some rookies of the year sort of situation. Um, and then the other thing I would do is like take a book out of the Independent Spirit Awards. Have some fun. Mm-hmm. It is a slog getting through the Oscars and the Independent Spirit Awards. I don't know if you watch them, but they are fun, man. Like they have they have a good time. All these award shows, even the Golden Globes, has become this like really serious slog. And I would like to see a little bit more fun. And the Independent Spirit Awards definitely know what the hell they're doing. You're absolutely right. The Aubrey Plaza opening was hilarious. Adam Sandler's acceptance speech. Oh, was that was awesome. incredible. That's the more of the stuff we need. I completely yeah, agree. So with those you. would be the two things that you know, if I had that kind of power for a day, I'd probably stop worrying about that fucking museum and uh, <laughs> fix my Oscars telecast. But because we love you guys uh, and we have disappointed ourselves in not giving you reviews for a while, we do have, I think, six from you, two from me reviews tonight. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. we're gonna quick. go rapid we'll fire. We're gonna give you the numbers, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about a bunch of new uh, some new films, a bunch of old films. Um, I'm going to give it to Jed. Fire away, buddy. All right. So here's my classic portion. So classic films here. Five Easy Pieces, Bob Rafelson, Jack Nicholson film, 9 out of 10. This film is one that you can watch over and over again and get something new out of it. It's in a tremendous piece of art. Jack Nicholson's performance as a character who is flawed and who does not fix those flaws and really has no interest in it and is his own worst enemy. And the last scene of this film is so well done. The whole film is fucking beautiful and amazing. And God, that one stuck with me. I had seen it as a kid, totally didn't get it at all. Was way too young to watch it. Uh, in order, in terms of getting anything out of it, watched it recently. Totally different experience. And I love when that happens. Nashville, give a 9.3 out of 10. Robert Altman movie. This movie is sheer fucking chaos yep. that is somehow perfection. It I is don't know such how a good he movie. did it. I have no idea how you go about making this film and keeping all that stuff straight in your head and then coming out with the product that it is. Because as I'm watching it, I'm going, this should not be working. This should not be evoking these emotions from me. This should be me thinking this movie's all over the place and a mess. And it's not. It's none of that. It's it holds itself together in a way that I don't even I don't even know how it's fucking possible. Another one. Sorcerer, it's a Billy Friedkin movie, 7.8 out of 10. This film, I'd heard about this. Quentin Tarantino talked about it on a podcast. I think it's a movie he said he has, he plays for the cast and crew before each film he makes. And so I was like, I got to see that. This film, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching because it doesn't make any sense when it starts out. And I'm like, you really have to be actively watching and viewing this thing. And then remember who's who, what's going on. And then the plot finally like really kicks in. And you're already like a third, almost like I'd say a halfway through the movie before you kind of realize like what's going on here. This is one, watch it again, watch it over and over, can get something out of it. Amazing. There's some amazing set pieces in this thing. It looks so raw. Really, really enjoyed it. 
I got some other reviews here too. So these are some fairly newer ones. So Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films. This is a documentary. I give this an 8 out of 10. This is insane. A couple of Israeli guys who basically started Canon Films here in the U.S. because they wanted to make movies. And they had started a film company in Israel and basically made a softcore porn. And with the money they got from that, they bought Canon Films over here. And they are the ones that kind of started this whole thing of showing the poster before the movie's ever even made and basically selling the poster and the dream in order to finance the film. This is basically a pyramid scheme for movies. It's an insane fucking story. It's (laughs) just absolutely... Anyone out there, you'll love it. Anyone who loves films, you'll be like, oh my God, that was that movie? That's how that happened? Totally crazy. Uncut Gems, I could go on and on about this one. 9.1 out of 10. Excellent film. Adam Sandler, so fucking good. Eric Bogosian, love him. He's just Good to see him again. This is a fucking cocaine trip of a film. You, You take a hit from the first moment and it never lets up. And until the very end, and it's just, it's insane. It's what a great ride. I'm sure we'll do a deep dive on this film. Oh, yeah. I haven't at been some that point. I haven't been that tense in a movie in quite a while. Since Widows, I know. It was, it was insane. <laughs> that was low, man. That's some <laughs> low shit. And the last one for me, Richard Jewell. I give a seven and a half out of 10. Paul Walter Hauser, standout for me in this film. Everything else was fine. Kathy Bates was fine. Olivia Wilde was fine john ham was fine paul walter hauser that's one to watch he gives an amazing performance the direction on this film clint i love you do whatever you want to do you've earned it but maybe have someone else take a look at some things every now and then because you're talking about a flat looking movie that just has very muted everything other than hauser's performance and Sam Rockwell, sorry, forgot about him. How could I? He's the other standout in the film for me. Those two together, absolute perfection. So that's it for me. What about you, Cole? All right, I got two quick ones. Uh, 1917, I know we've talked a lot about what we kind of talked about it in the idea of like it was built to win Oscars. Um, but the actual film itself is pretty spectacular. Uh, Roger Deakins did a beautiful job. The one shot works very, very well. It works to guide you through the film. Uh, I give it an 8.25 out of 10. I, I thought that what it succeeded in was visual. What it lacked for me was uh, personality. And I think that was part of the movie. That was truly part of the film. I get that. But this was sort of, to me, a little less than Saving Private Ryan. And what I mean by that is I at least got to grow with my characters throughout that film. I know mm. that's not necessarily the point of this film, but that also left me a little emotionally distant. Uh, but Sam Mendes did a great job. And the other one was The Two Popes. This movie caught me off guard. It's just performance art, really. The, the script is fine, but the visuals are great, and it is held together by two incredible actors going toe-to-toe. And they're, it, it's obviously based on the Pope transition to Pope Francis, and having Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price just go, kind of go toe-to-toe and back and forth, it was just spectacular. Their, their performances are riveting for something that, you know, for me was more like, I don't necessarily, I, I remember when Pope Benedict stepped down and, and Pope Francis was elected Pope. But, you know, this gets a little bit into the politics, a little bit into where they butted heads. 
But when you're watching the two of those guys go at it, you don't really so much care about the substance, in my opinion. And it was great. And when you're looking for a Venezuelan priest, why wouldn't you cast Jonathan Price, who <laughs> did an incredible job? Like it was a very uh, earned Best Actor nomination, in my opinion. I give it an eight out of ten. It's on, I think, Netflix. Check it out. You you won't be disappointed. Um, before we wrap up today, because I think those are all of our movie reviews. I do want to shout out what I thought was the best part of the best speech um, from Bong Joon-ho, which is when he got up for his best director uh, speech and he's like, Martin Scorsese, I love you. Can we get you a standing ovation? You're an inspiration. You're a hero of mine, that sort of thing. Quentin, thank you so much. I love that you've championed my films. It's been so amazing of you to do that. You're, you're another hero. I think I was also nominated with some other people. <laughs> thank you for my award it was just like oh man Bong Joon-ho a lot of people are looking up Okja and Snowpiercer yeah uh, no shit and like Memories of a Murderer Memories of a Murderer yeah that's a that's yeah. a really good film we, we should talk about that one um, but yeah man you got anything else no man I'm good I think this was this was great uh, another award season down and I really can't wait to see what comes out this year because there's no way it's going to top this past year. No, no, I, there's there's no way it can. But the, the thing that's nice about it is we're going to get to start talking about who's going to win the 2021 Academy Awards here in about three weeks. So <laughs> nice off season, and then we'll get right back into it. But guys, thanks again so much for hanging out with us. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at SigBurnsPod. You can email us at CigaretteBurnsPodcast at Yahoo.com. Keep going uh, on Apple Music or wherever you find your uh, podcast. Rate, review. Uh, we love hearing what you guys have to say, and we will catch you guys next time. See you. Later, Burners. Uh, thank you, and yeah, I'm ready, ready to drink tonight. So, <laughs> until next morning. Thank you. <laughs>